0: Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fate Team's podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would kindly like you to wear a mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texans fans, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, and caster of the double reverse hutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, El Sabato, proud father Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, the coach Whisperer, the wine sipper, the Will Dislier, working girl Jordan Smith, and of course, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger mustached man, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today?
3: Doing great, Pete. Great. Hey Pete. How you doing?
0: I am doing well. Uh, both Jordan and I pounded our uh, our dinners to be able to be fully ready and prepared to knock out our new double-double uh, show. So, uh, excited. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk the NFC North, you guys. I think there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, f- I feel like there's a lot of good high-level fantasy talent there. Uh, and, and I'm curious before we get into it, we're going to obviously talk elites. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, players. We're not drafting league winners and late sleepers, yada, yada, obviously. But something I want to start us off our conversation with is each of these, I feel like this is one of the only divisions where each team has a premier fantasy wide receiver. So I'm curious right off the bat who among Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen, Alan Robinson and Kenny Galladay. Would you most want to have on your uh, on your fantasy, Clark? We'll start with you.
2: So, at their price, or just at all?
0: Um, because
2: I think it's really obvious if it's just at all. I think they're ranked appropriately. I would like Alan Robinson the least because he's going to play with Mitchell Trubisky, or if we're lucky, Nick Foles. Uh, I think at at cost, I think sure, Adam go, Thielen. Let's is go
0: at cost. Yeah,
1: Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, what about you? Um, yeah, I think as a whole, I kind of had issues with, uh, and it relates to this question. Obviously I had issues with like stay away because I think there's a lot of players in this division that like kind of land where they're supposed to, just like what Clark said, the, the pecking order of where these wide receivers are going in terms of average draft position is pretty much exactly where I would want them. Um, Devontae Adams followed by Kenny Galladay, Thielen, and then Alan Robinson,
3: Yeah. I'll I'll parrot Clark's answer. Um, The, the clear cut, like fantasy dominant guy is, is Adams, but at cost Thielen. Yeah. That's
0: kind of how I'm feeling too, though. I do love me and uh, a little, little tease here before we get into our trustworthy elites. I do love me some Allen Robinson. If he was guaranteed
3: foals, then Then I might be in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so let's get into trustworthy elites. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Pfft. Waiter, I ordered the 89 Chateau, not the 99. And I'll start us off. We'll go right into Allen Robinson because he's my guy. I, Anytime I'm drafting number one wide receivers, if I'm paying early for a wide receiver, I like clear number one guys, uh, like the alpha guy, uh, when I take an early receiver. And Alan Robinson is that to a T, right? Uh, he the next guy in the bears offense pass wise is probably Anthony Miller or maybe Tariq Cohen. So there's no, there's not someone there. It's not a number two guy who's going to challenge Robinson in terms of targets, uh, in the bears offense. He proved last year to your point, Nick, he can still produce no matter who his quarterback is. It wasn't like he had a slouch season last year with Mitchell Trubisky under center for the most part. So I think he is still, he's going as what the wide receiver, 10, uh, 28 overall, meaning you can get him in the middle of the third round, which, my God, that is gorgeous to me because I can go RB1. I can go running back, running back in the first two rounds and then take Allen Robinson as my wide receiver. One, he's a, a lock in my book to get 130 plus targets. Um, and when they get when the Bears get into the red zone, at least last year, Matt Nagy likes to throw the ball. They have a he's they threw it 60 times, I think they had 60 pass attempts within the 20. And, uh, last year, and they had, I think that was compared to like 40 rush attempts. Um, and when Mitch was passing the ball 61 times, uh, almost 35% of those went to Allen Robinson. So I think he's the clear number one in Chicago. I think if we do get any Nick Foles, suddenly Allen Robinson's, I think fantasy value is even boosted, but at wide receiver 10, I think that's perfect for him. And I will happily take him at that, at that value and, and no, not look back as my wide receiver one.
3: The, the only thing I want to correct there is that I don't think he proved last year that he can play with anybody because he's been playing with Bortles. <laughs> like, true, that's true. Al Robinson has shown throughout his career. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah. in college, I wasn't it like Hackenberg? Like, this dude's never had a competent <laughs> passer. And and now he might have Foles. And like, Foles, is, if, I think Foles would be the best QB of his career. And um, he, last year, Robinson was number three in the league in targets. So I, I have to think with Foles in there, he could mash that number. And if that's the case, like the number of errant passes, especially, God, it's so crazy. Like Trubisky's not an ambi thrower. He can't throw left. I don't know if you've looked at like his left. He's of the, he's right the Zoolander
0: of quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's so, I, yeah, if they got competent quarterbacking in there, um, Robinson, I, his, his ceiling is seriously like in, in the alpha dog. Uh, range and it, and it like in in the the Julio Adams range like a top uh, it's top it's four it.
0: fantasy receiver this yeah. Year.
1: yeah 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 I like um Thielen and Cooper behind Robinson a little ways down but at the same time if it's if it's Nick Foles then Robinson's like you guys said his stock goes way up um both those guys I just had to I guess just had to battle through Jacksonville to be reborn in Chicago (laughs) in some way. Um, The bears didn't exactly do a whole lot to threaten the idea that Robinson also won't get another like huge chunk of targets. Um, Anthony Miller didn't exactly uh, take the next step. Like they wanted, he could take another step this year. Um, They added Jimmy Graham asked me about him and how I feel about his value to a football team. Um, So, yeah, I I think whenever you can get a top dog at, um, what is he overall, uh, 28 28. overall, I I think that's great.
2: Yeah, and for me, there's just too many guys around him to, at that time, take someone who says, well, if if only the person who he's completely dependent on for fantasy value wasn't that, (laughs) then it would be a great pick. He did show last year that even with a horrible quarterback, he can be good. I just don't like betting on things like that to happen when I can bet on someone like Thielen, who has at least an average quarterback and is going to be featured. But Robinson is an absolute baller. Just no question about it.
0: Let's dive into Thielen. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast, but Nick, he's he's your trustworthy elite this year from the NFC North.
3: Yeah, so if we look over what the Vikings offense did last year, it's a little – it, it, it kind of lies to you because they had so many injuries that they relied so heavily on throwing to non receivers or uh, or just running the football. If you go back to the 2017 and 2018 seasons, uh, Thielen, he had 143 targets to Diggs' 95. 2018, he had uh, 155 to Diggs' 150. Last year, Diggs topped the team with, with just 95. Um, now, with Diggs gone, I just think that that feeling is in line to return to that 150 target dominance to make matters uh, better this year. The let's see here. They play the third softest blend of pass defenses per sharp football and 10th softest in terms of past defensive efficiency. So what you're looking at is an easy schedule for a guy who, as Clark said, has a competent quarterback and could get 150 targets. I think it'd be really difficult for him to not finish as a top 10 receiver.
2: Yeah, and I I agree with you that Thielen is the pick, and and I've come at it from a different angle. I think what happened a couple of years ago uh, shows what Thielen can do as a number one wide receiver, but what bodes well for him is uh, what you like to do in the Kubiak-Shanahan offense. You run outside zone, you run inside zone, and then you run play-action fakes to the streaking wide receiver down the field, which Thielen has made a career out of doing, or you throw it to the tight end, who we'll have more on later. Yeah, Thielen's going to be the number one. It's always been a bit of an odd situation. It seemed like the Vikings didn't want their two good wide receivers with Diggs and Thielen, and we're never really able to figure that out, which makes no sense. Having two good wide receivers is good. But now Thielen's the man, and uh, this offense features one wide receiver. So I think Thielen is really flirting with that top three or four wide receiver finish this year.
0: And Adam Thielen going almost in the fourth round is just preposterous to me. He's going 31 overall, which – like I and wide receiver twelve, I think in half point. Um that's
1: that is chronically undervalued in my opinion for him. Yeah, the so the Vikings were one of those teams that uh used twenty-one personnel the most last year. And just for the sake of the the people that they have there, um Irv Smith Junior will probably make a jump while Kyle Rudolph takes a step back. Um I don't, I like Justin Jefferson a lot. I think he's a really good player, but I don't think he's just going to automatically step in in his rookie year and be a one-for-one replacement for Stefan Diggs. So that leaves a lot of space for Adam Thielen to just kind of put in his work. And I think what we saw last year with this offense is that, you know, when Stephon Diggs said he wanted the football more, he got the football more, but then Adam Thielen's like, hey, I'm still here. And then he would burst out and have just an explosive game every now and then. Um, so I think we can expect to see that kind of level out a little bit more for Thielen. And, and again, it's the same situation like in Chicago. He's the clear number one guy. So
0: Let's, uh, let's keep talking about clear number one wide receivers because, Jordan, there's, there's really no one in Green Bay who's going to challenge Devontae Adams for, for targets if he can stay healthy and on the field, which we had a scare today during practice where he seems to tweak his back maybe, possibly, question mark?
1: Uh, He apparently tweaked his right leg, went in the Hudson Center for like 20 minutes and then was back out and running and doing things right away. Um, But yeah, so with Devontae Adams, um, I still like him as a first round wide receiver. Uh, The Packers are going to be leaning more into 21 personnel again this season. So that means uh, the number one and the number two wide receiver are probably going to be who are dominating the amount of targets in terms of the the wide receiver load. Um, PFF found that Devontae was open for 88% of his targets last year. Um, So only 12% of his uh, receptions were contested. Uh, He also received the most touches in the red zone of any player on the Packers, despite missing some games. So as soon as they get down to the 20-yard line, it's really the Devontae Adams show. He's great off the line of scrimmage. Um, and the Packers were second last year in red zone scoring, and Devontae Adams had a big part in that. Um, yeah, and they were the highest graded PFF team in the red zone last year as well. So if, if Devontae Adams can stay fully healthy, uh, he's just, he's lights out. He's a good pick.
2: Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Pretty pretty simple math here, that uh, Devontae Adams is incredibly good, and uh, I wasn't able to get Aaron Rodgers in on any of my, uh, picks here but i you know but I also like draft to, aaron Rodgers. i like to uh, visit narratives i visit my condo on narrative street as mm-hmm. often as possible uh, i really believe in the angry aaron Rodgers season and a way to look yourself make yourself look really good is throwing the ball to Devontae adams so uh, he's going where he should be unattainable for most or for a lot of people in drafts or you have to spend your first round pick on him but there's there's very good reason for that
3: yeah, I like him at like the at the one two turn. Uh, if I get him at the beginning of the second, then that'd be stellar uh, for all the reasons that Clark just mentioned. He's going to be a, a target hog. I do think we have to keep an eye on the ankle. It's not good to see soft tissue injuries in in the preseason, and he was able to go back out there as you can with a uh, a low grade or a, a low ankle sprain. Like you can totally play on that, but now there is a low ankle sprain, so we just need to be mindful of that while we're you know consuming their practice reports.
0: Mark, talk to us about the, the clear-cut best running back in the division.
2: So I've got Dalvin Cook here, pretty obvious. And uh, I didn't want to bring this up to talk about how good Dalvin Cook is because, half, <laughs> like I said, half, half the folks won't even have an opportunity to draft Dalvin Cook. He's going number six or seven overall. But I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about handcuffing. So I think, in general, handcuffing is not the greatest idea because you're tying up two roster spots for at best one player. Roster spots are important. You never know when someone's going to go down and having the backup can let you dominate two or three different situations. But, you know, handcuffing harkens back to a different time when running backs were really dominating fantasy football and dominating NFL football and when uh, teams had really clear depth charts. So when your guy went down, when you had the backup, it didn't really hurt your team. It's a different NFL now. We've got running back by committee. We have muddled depth charts. And so now handcuffing needs to be done really judiciously. You just need to be careful and really think about it. But in Minnesota, for a top five, top seven pick and a 10th round pick, you can handcuff Dalvin Cook and feel really confident that you're going to have one of the best rushing attacks in football sewn up all year. The only reason Cook is going seven instead of three or four is because of an injury history. And Madison showed us last year he's absolutely the number two back behind cook and it is a one-to-one replacement scenario. So I picked Alvin cook to get everybody's thoughts on handcuffing and why this is one of the only situations in football where I think that it's a good idea to do that this year.
0: Yeah. Are you, you are not too worried about uh, cook's injury history if paying up for him at, uh, you know, going seventh overall. No, I am. And
2: that I can get his potential replacement in the 10th round. Uh, or you know drafting him way too early in the eighth makes me feel like i'm getting a 16 week starter
0: okay. for the
2: fantasy season
0: in an offense that we know can really produce a a solid rb one in a shanahan
2: oh. offense the person who taught shanahan how to do this other
3: than his dad is is running this offense I, I think all this is really well put and uh and bringing up the madison factor as being one of like I don't know three or four uh, raw handcuffs that are, are worth rostering. Um, the The injury history with Cook is is extensive. His uh, his sc joint is like I, I believe that's just one of those injuries that you can just play with, but it doesn't. It's going to take surgery to fix because it's a, a tendon um, or tendon like um, tissue. Anyway. Uh, His talent is undeniable. If, if he did not have the injury history, then he's firmly in contention to be going among, you know, the Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley uh, ranks Uh, for, for his injury history reasons. I have dropped him below. uh, Miles Sanders, who we need to monitor him for injury now um, and Kenyon Drake, but he's a beast. So like get him and then
1: yeah, get Madison. You'll feel good. Yeah. I I don't have any qualms with um, Dalvin cook at, where he's at and drafting Madison later. Um, I do hope that the the Vikings line is able to hold, hold up a little bit better this year. They, they were good last year. They made a emphasis on running the ball. They only ran with um, 11 personnel three wide uh, 46% of the time. So uh, they like to be big. They like to have the bullies out there. So I, I I'm pretty confident in Dalvin cooks as long as he stays healthy.
0: All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk some guys who we're not drafting this year. Red alert. Red alert. Do not draft this player. Red alert. Red alert. And uh, Nick, why don't you start us off since we since Clark uh, built his house on narrative street. Seems like you are showing up with the bulldozer
3: to tear it down. I, yeah, I mean, this This is – I'm sticking with tradition here of taking a stance against all three of you. Um, so, yeah, I, there's no way in hell that I'm drafting Rodgers really on any team. He's going as the quarterback 11, which I wouldn't take him if he's the 16th just because there are like there are so many guys that have such higher ceilings that I would prefer to platoon um, matchup to matchup. He no longer really has much of a rushing floor, but the the writing's kind of on the wall there. They drafted his replacement in the first round brought in a bruiser back in the second, brought in their version of what they hope to be their version of Kyle. You in the third, I don't know, uh, Guerrera, I think his name was in H back. Um, but what you see on the depth chart is Devonte Adams. And then Alan Lazard, he, I think that he's like trying to prove that he's worthy of being an NFL starter. And while I think he'll be a target hog, I don't think that he's necessarily a world beater. You look at guys like, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who is looking like a bust. You look at guys like Equinemius St. Brown, who is super talented, but refuses to stretch. And so his hamstrings are just always on the verge of popping. It makes no sense to me. Uh, Sternberger, tight end, you know, he he didn't get to develop in his rookie season. Um, All that aside... LaFleur, in my opinion, has made it clear they want to be a run first team. He believes in uh, play action doesn't work without running the football well, you have to be balanced, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What they did really well last year, which was super cool, was passing on first and second down early on. Uh, The uh, 2020 football preview from Sharp Football has awesome info on this. They killed it passing on first and second in the first quarter. Unsurprisingly, that's also where they scored way more points than any other quarter. The problem was as the games went on, they became more and more predictable in what they were doing and their efficiency dropped. Similarly, the second time that they played a team in the season, all of their per play stats continue to drop. So, and also, I mean, Rogers, I think that he's in the stage of his career where he can still win up here. He can still win with the mind, but his, his technical tools do seem to have depreciated somewhat. He's uh, he hasn't registered a positive completion percentage above expected since 2016. Um, I, again, my issue with him is that he's so good, and I think they should use him more efficiently. It's it's not a knock on him at all. Uh, lastly, they're just taking a big leap in their strength of schedule per sharp football. Last year they faced the 13th softest schedule of defensive uh, uh, opponents. This year they're lining up for the ninth most difficult. Um, I just don't see this uh, low-volume passing attack as being one that's going to bring a bounty of fantasy points and uh, and – it's possible Rogers tried to audible out, but I don't think LaFleur is going to let him. So anyway, that's that.
2: Yeah, I think all those points stand—you know—stand good to reason. And if, Ralph, if uh, Rogers was still going, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth overall, I think that these would be huge concerns. So it's easier to bet uh, that Aaron Rodgers is going to assert his dominance and be good and not be benched. But I do have to admit, so we have been waiting on Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers for a little while now, and he has been on decline. So, this is kind of the last year that I'm betting on him just magically recovering and putting it together. Because I, even though I am a fan of Rodgers, I have to admit that is what I'm doing this year. As I'm saying, the past two or three years are not an indication of his talent, and he's going to magically be
1: better. Yeah, I, I think honestly, some people are overthinking this a little bit too much. Um, Aaron Rodgers finished as a top 10 QB in fantasy for nine out of his 11 seasons as a starter. Um, I won't be drafting him personally just because he's, um, I got to stick with this. It's, it's, he's in that range of like the QB 7 to 12 in that area where I'm just like, I don't want to QB at this point in time. Um, I know the narrative has been that, oh, the Packers drafted guys where they're just going to pound the rock into the back of the offensive line over and over again. But um, they're mostly just doing a formation switch. Um, which a lot of the top teams in the league are doing. Um, you probably have noticed me talking more and more about 12 and 21 personnel because um, it is the most efficient uh, formation. Um, it is It has the highest efficiency in EPA um, per pass attempt, yards per play, and the number one success rate. And I just think that's more so what they're aiming to do and to be able to just be big and multiple. And that's why they drafted guys like Josiah, De Guara, and they're going to have Sternberger out there again this year. Alan Lazard is a big wide receiver who's efficient. I'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to draft Rogers probably if he slides far enough for me to get out of that top 12 QB range. Sure, but yeah.
0: Um, where are we? Oh, Jordan, who are you uh, not drafting this year in NFC North division
1: of football? Um, Yeah, so in our spreadsheet, you might have saw me put um, Kenny Galladay with an asterisk by it. Uh, I put that asterisk there because I don't really have any reason to not draft him other than the offense that he's playing in, in which um, I just read this too, that only two out of the 13 seasons has a a receiver in Darren Bevel's system gone over 120 targets. Um, Now, if that just kind of limits what Kenny Galladay's ceiling can be. I mean, if he gets 110 targets, I'm not like very upset about that. I'm not crying over it. Um, There's also the possibility that he's like, Hey, I got Kenny Galladay. Let's just um, air it out to him and Marvin Jones. Um, Yeah. I don't have a big, huge knock on Kenny Galladay. He's not exactly going in the first round, so I'm not stretching that badly. Um, Just kind of goes back to my point at the top of the podcast that I feel like a lot of these guys are just going where they should.
2: Yeah, and I'll just chime in with my do not draft. I didn't have one. I know that we're trying to look for somebody in the first few rounds that we think is priced poorly, and that's really easy for every division except for this one. We talked about one of my least favorite guys in Allen Robinson, but he's still very good, and if you're worried about Mitchell Trubisky, well, he still had a good year last year, Uh, only had a couple of games where he scored under a couple of points, and that's something that I want to try to avoid with my early round picks, not necessarily uh, aiming for the highest of highs, but making sure that we keep the floor intact too another one's David Montgomery but he's going in the 50s or 60s and Tariq Cohen's proven that he is not capable of handling a big workload Uh, so why not David Montgomery there's just not really anyone in this division that looks like they're really poorly priced until we get into the 70s or 80s uh, when I'm just not really interested in anyone in this division but that doesn't really fit what we're looking for with this pick
0: yeah. And maybe I kind of skewed my pick for this section uh, because I think you're right. Clark. And I agree that there's not a lot of guys uh, in that early round. I think we've talked enough about how everyone's well-priced. Uh, so for me, who I'm not touching from this division is the, is the lions running backs. And, and I guess that's predominantly Deandre Swift since carry uh, on Johnson is <laughs> so cheap that it doesn't make sense. You know, that it's not really, a you know, you're not really risking anything to get him, but I don't have any stats here. I just, I just don't trust the Lions' backfield to do anything of true fantasy value. And I'd rather uh, a whole bunch of other players who are kind of going in Swift's range. He's going as the RB 27 65 overall. T Y Hilton and Stefan Diggs are right ahead of him. uh, And Michael Gallup and Kareem hunt are below him. And those guys, I would all vastly prefer uh, over a rookie who's coming in with no offseason. Uh, into an offense that we haven't really seen have any success running the football. Like they are, we love Matt Stafford in this air attack because the lions just chucked the ball around. And with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones jr. And hopefully uh, um, healthy and, and very productive TJ Hawkinson and Danny Amadola, can't forget the Dola. Like I just, I don't have any faith in this lions <laughs> rush game to be so good that it's, I want a piece of it. So I'm, I'm just avoiding anyone in that backfield regardless of, uh, regardless of the hype surrounding
3: them. Yeah. I don't know if there's hype to avoid necessarily around carrying Johnson, um, but I, I like carry on because of his, his, uh, his ADP, right? Like where he's going, he's going 103 overall as the RB 39. I don't know that there are very many running backs in that range who have access to like 12 touches a game. Um, and, and it could be more as Swift picks up the playbook. I'm by no means excited about him. He's just kind of like a, a guy on my uh, you sound pretty flex thrilled Nick. You
0: sound like right, Carryon yeah. Johnson is you are building a house on Carryon Johnson. So. I, yeah,
3: so, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, I mean he, he's not an exciting pick, but but if you but if he's you've become gone, so like, devalued that that he he's now has value. He's very similar to Marlon Mack. He's not in as good of a rushing offense as Mac, but like wh- what you're looking for at this point in the draft is value. And he's an incumbent running back. Who's, you know, he- he's trying to hold off a rookie. I don't know. Th- there's some value there. If you go wide receiver tight end early, but that's
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with this because um, for me, I'm- I just don't know what the lions ultimately want to do with their backfield. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it. I'm not sure if they, like carry on Johnson if they don't that's why they grabbed DeAndre Swift or they thought DeAndre Swift was just too good of a value to pass up. Um so all those factors make me want to like just kind of sit and wait on the backfield to see how it pans out, but carry on Johnson having like the incumbency like Nick said of being the guy who's there in an offseason like this really does help him. So
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh we got league winners and late sleepers coming but before that we are going to take a quick ad break. Oh my gosh! I did it! I just landed a league winner. All right, we are back, and uh, <laughs> Clark, you—I uh, guess you already touched on your your uh, your league winner, didn't you? You you already kind of made your piece. Yeah, I went, with, of the, I went with I went
2: with Feelin just because of where he's going. Uh, you know, third round picks. When you can jump up to first-round value, I think that's big. Normally for this area, I like to look for someone in the fifth or sixth round who's going to start for you all year. But, yeah, we touched on him. You know, this offense is set up for one wide receiver to absolutely dominate. Phelan's done that before, and Cousins has shown that he will throw the ball where he's supposed to throw the ball. So, yeah, again, an endorsement for Phelan, but that's it.
0: Uh, Jordan,
1: talk, talk about my boy Marvin Jones. Yeah, Marvin Jones, wide receiver 38 and 96 overall. Um, We've talked about Marvin Jones, I feel like, for months and maybe years now. We just like this guy. Um, He started slow in the first month of last season, but after the bye, he had like several multi target games. And that's with a variety of QBs, uh, ending with David Blau as his last guy to throw him the ball. Um, he finished 20th in DVOA and 24th in defense adjusted yards above replacement last year. So with a full season of Stafford, I feel like just him being able to get better than wide receiver 38 is almost a given. Um, he's an eighth round pick right now. And he doesn't, I, he like Andy Amendola. I know Pete, but I, I think it's pretty much a Gallaudet Marvin Jones show.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess if Marvin Jones, I think the only knock on Marvin Jones is his health, and that's what's bringing his ADP down. But correct me if I if I'm preposterous here, you guys. Am I crazy in thinking that if you get 16 games of healthy Kenny Galladay, healthy Marvin Jones, that their stats aren't really going to be that different? Am I crazy in thinking that?
1: He finished well, they- wide receiver 28 last year, so expecting him to uh, perform 38 right now is not a big bet
0: i just feel like if i draft marvin jones in the eighth round and he's healthy i'm getting kenny galladay for a massive 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 discount
3: yeah p what you're getting at is that over the last 16 games the two of them have very similar overall box score results i'm not going to take the time right now to go through each 16 game to figure <laughs> no, out no no please do stuff. please do but but yeah uh galladay only edges him out by a little bit and i mean the way that that this team, you know, they, they're, they're similar to a lot of teams. They think you have to run well to, to use play action. Well um, I wish they'd cut that middle part out, but what they end up doing is having just a bevy of downfield throws. So Daryl cheese Um sorry for the near pun, but yeah, I mean, you get these like splash uh, performances out of Jones where last year uh, week seven uh, caught 10 of 13 balls, 93 yards, and four friggin' touchdowns. He's, he didn't hit that high all the time, but he had multiple double digit uh, target games where he produced terrific fantasy results. He, he's a bit of a monitor the matchups pick, but that's, and maybe, fine. that's fine. And maybe that's the difference between him and Kenny Galladay, where
0: their final box scores will look similar, but Kenny Galladay is probably going to give you a consistent wide receiver one production throughout the entire season, whereas Marvin Jones maybe gives you like wide receiver two production for the most part, but then we'll have weeks where he just is the number one wide receiver in fantasy that week. And maybe that's, and maybe that's the difference.
2: Yeah. With all the lions fantasy picks, it's really, can they overcome Matt Patricia?
0: (laughs) Can the lions in general overcome Matt Patricia? I mean, it's, it's kind of a little flabbergasting that he uh, is a head coach. And I say that as a Patriots fan.
2: Yeah, just a PSA, guys. When you make a mistake, it's okay to admit it and move on. You don't have to, like, triple down.
0: Yeah. Uh, Detroit Lions, if you want to come on to the podcast and defend your hiring of Matt Patricia, uh, we'll le- welcome you on as an organization. Uh, let's stick with the Detroit Lions because, Nick, you, there's another member of this passing game that you're high on.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, Hawkinson, what, what he showed us is his ceiling last year, like in, in the debut game where he just obliterated the – cards uh was really special and it, it wasn't necessarily surprising because of what a decorated tight end he was uh leaving what was it iowa um yeah like tight end factory yeah tight end you um over the season he, he did miss some time with an ankle injury which he said still doesn't feel normal it, it's supposed to be fully healthy but he still notices it which is you know we should pay attention to that um but as a rookie he averaged 5.3 targets per game uh, having like it's funny. There's all these like PFF uh, grades that that are different statistics that bode well for future production. And basically for tight ends, it's if they did anything in the box score in college, that means they're good. He did a lot of things in, in the box score when he was in college. Um, so look, uh, tight ends take a year or two to develop. This is the second season. Uh, he played like 11 games last year. Hopefully, he hits the ground running in in the uh, in the system this year. Right now, he's going 128 overall as a tight end, 15. Just looking at some of the tight ends that he is going behind. I mean, there are a lot of guys on here. Like, given his value, I want him more than Waller, Hunter, Henry, Tyler, Higbee, perhaps even Gronk, uh, Fant, Hayden, Hurst. Like, there's a lot of guys on here who I like, Hawkinson. Uh, more especially at his adp but also overall i might just rank him ahead of these guys too i completely
0: agree with everything nick just said uh let's get into i guess i still have to do my league winner don't i uh after i spent the opening of this show talking about how alan robinson is the only wide receiver in chicago and that makes him a great wide receiver one let me convince you that Anthony Miller also is going to have a great fantasy season and belong, and uh, you should be drafting him. He's the wide receiver fifty five going one fifty five overall. So you're not you're not investing anything to get him. And it was a bumpy road for him last year when he but when he took over the starting spot uh, after Taylor Gabriel got injured, he put together five extremely impressive games from week ten to week fifteen, in which during that time, he was the wide receiver sixteen uh, in half point PPR. I don't think he's going to do that consistently in 2020. Uh, I, but I think that he, uh, I think he could have wide receiver two potential from a regular basis. And even if he's just like you know a every week starting flex spot, you're getting him from the 55 spot. Like that's that's a huge huge get in my opinion. Um, and so if that's someone who you can like, if you want to stockpile on wide receiver on running backs early, and maybe you go early tight end and. If you want to take every position early and just wait for wide receivers because it's such a deep position, I feel like Anthony Miller, we've seen flashes of what he can do when he's on the field and healthy. And now he's had surgery on his shoulder, which is what was bothering him last year. Um, So he's coming into the season fully healthy in an offense. That's going to be needing a number two wide receiver. Uh, Again, you're putting your faith in Mitchell Trubisky slash them, making the decision for Nick Foles slash them ultimately deciding both quarterbacks, quarterbacks are terrible. And I don't know, trading for, Aaron Rodgers midway through the season. Sorry, Jordan, it's happening. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I think Anthony Miller is, is a guy where you can get a lot of value and I was thinking of him as my late sleeper, but, uh, but I figured, you know what? He could be a league winner, you know, maybe he, maybe he breaks out in a huge way.
2: Yeah. I, I think everything you said is true and accurate. Uh, I just have to throw a little cold water on the, on the excitement here and that we're, we're
0: hoping That they go to Nick Foles. (laughs) It's not. It's not the biggest. You know. It's not the most uh, encouraging.
1: Yeah, my. I mean, I like the pick as a late round sleeper. um, Somebody that you kind of take a dart throw on and hopefully can find his way into a flex spot on your starting lineup. But as a league winner, I'm not sure he's going to help you win a lot of games. And a lot of it has to do with having Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback and kind of stunting your progress as a development, but yeah, that's, that's a big hope again.
3: So I don't think there's much question about Miller's talent. I was kind of, I embarrassed myself in in his rookie season by telling people to draft him. Um, Now it's important to note the, the, as you brought up, Pete, the shoulder has been a huge issue. Like he, he dislocated it in his rookie year, shredded his labrum. He played with a harness on for the rest of the season and still scored seven times. He's a very good wide receiver, and I expect him to continue to develop. And at some point in his time, in his career, the Bears are either going to get a new coach, a new quarterback, or he's going to go somewhere else. And hopefully, we get to see, see some really fun stuff because I think he's a dynamic slot receiver. Um, I hope that he doesn't kick Allen Robinson out of his slot rats too much because Robinson gets a lot of work in this slot, too. Um, but Miller, he's a, a bet on talent kind of guy. I, I do kind of think that Ryan Pace and his Fucking inflated ego are going to keep Mitch Trubisky in there for for too long. long. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but and I think you, I, I'm putting words in your mouth here. You put him at league winner because we didn't have a good thing to just say hey, he's just like a pretty good pick in like the 12th round like yeah yeah um, i like i, I yeah.
0: kind of i kind of smushed my i felt like i felt like everyone else you guys were touching on and i didn't want to you know talk about the same guys over and over again especially tj Hawkinson i really like that as a league winner and so i just kind of made league winner like a better late round sleeper than the late round sleeper sleeper that i'm also picking
3: yeah so he, he's a great talent hopefully Foles gets in there um i, I like him a lot All right, well,
0: let's move into late round sleeper. You mustn't wake the late round sleeper. And uh, we'll start with uh, you, Clark. Who you got? Yeah, so we're
2: going back to the Vikings here. And Irv Smith Jr. going into a second year, extremely athletic tight end coming out of college. Had a couple of... Good games. been watching a lot of Vikings film lately, and I wondered how Irv Smith did so poorly statistically for the plays that I saw him making. Well, a lot of his plays got called back because of holding and things like that. So Irv Smith showed us last year that he absolutely belongs. Uh, One of my uh, spiciest takes last year was how good Kyle Rudolph was going to be. And uh, he ended up getting a lot of counting stats towards the end of the year. But I think he showed that he's a fine player, but he's nothing to write home about think Irv Smith Jr. is going to move into that receiving role I make a lot of comparisons between Kubiak and Shanahan because they try to run the same system even though you got to give credit to the younger Shanahan where credit is due he does a lot more interesting things out of it now than uh, just the old playbook from his dad but Irv Smith Jr. is going to be that George Kittle threat of if you put a linebacker against him Irv Smith Jr. is faster and can run better routes to get open and if you put a cornerback on him, well, then they're going to run the outside zone on you and he's going to crush that little guy that was supposed to guard him in pass coverage. It's just an easy system for teams to exploit. And I think this is like kind of the last year you'll be able to get ersmith Jr. I think he's going at like ADP of 200 or something. Uh, so he's still free. I think next year we're going to be talking about how he had a Mark Andrews-esque year in 2020.
3: I was on board with everything until you compared to Mark Andrews. <laughs> um, that's just a crazy ceiling, but, uh, yeah, uh, per Arif Hasan, who's reporting, uh, from Vikings camp, he's getting lined up outside his route running looks really good. He, he's a, a, a great receiving tight end in a system that will use him really effectively. So I, I think it's awesome. As you said, Clark, he's going at the like 200 or whatever. And I think you can start him as a good fantasy tight end in week one.
1: Yeah. I think he's in a good position to kind of, uh, six seed Kyle Rudolph as the, the season starts here and we transition to him more as being a a guy that's kind of just a, a Jason Witten type who is a, a blocker and he, who will get you you know a few good first downs but really it's Herb Smith Jr. that is going to be eating up a ton of yards from the tight end position for the Vikings um, like we talked about before they're going to be running a lot of big personnel so there's not going to be a whole lot of threat from a third wide receiver to take his targets. And I think Herb Smith Jr., if he's lining up at outside, then he's effectively their third wide receiver.
0: Nick, did you want to, I know you have Alexander Madison here as your uh, late round sleeper. Did you want to add anything more to Clark's uh, Clark spiel about handcuffing?
3: No, uh, not, not really. I, he's, he's very good. They'll use him as a bell cow. Like there, there aren't very many guys who, you know, get 18 plus touches if an oft injured running back gets hurt.
0: Yeah. No, I think
3: that's. I think that's. He's a good. He's a good guy. If
0: you're going to invest again, like late round pick, you you use it, and if it doesn't pan out, he's still going to get you like some production because they did show that they will share the backfield. Um, and but he but if Dalvin Cook ever goes down, you are killing it. Especially, you could oh. probably then sell Al, uh, Alexander Madison to the Dalvin Cook owner for a hefty price.
3: I, I will just mention that while so Cook broke the word is he broke off contract talk. So he's gonna play this season uh on his rookie deal and just you know do whatever next year. Uh while he was holding out, Alexander Madison was taking first team reps. Now he's already taken live fire first team reps last last year, but it's it's you know shaking off the rust with the first team is is notable. Uh the narrative all right, well, street narrative builds for Dalvin Cook leading the <laughs> league in total
2: yards
0: and points. <laughs> Uh, Dalvin cook is getting taken in every single one of Clark's draft by Clark. Um, all right, Jordan, let's go to the green Bay Packers. Cause we both have a late round sleeper from the team.
1: Yeah. So I did a little bit of digging on Alan Lazar a little while ago because I was like, Hey, they've got to be trying to tell us something here by not drafting a wide receiver, um, in the draft a couple months ago. Uh, and I found some pretty decent numbers, especially for a guy who is going to go wide receiver 66 right now, which is between, uh, future hall of famer, whom we love Larry Fitzgerald, uh, and Except for Nick. Nick, Nick hates Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> and, uh, rookie T Higgins, who we had some fire things to say about him on the last pod. <laughs> um, And I found that among wide receivers with 40-plus targets, Lazard finished 12th out of 96 in passer rating when targeted. Uh, For Football Outsiders, Lazard was ranked 36th in defensive-adjusted yards above replacement um, and was up at 18th in DVOA. Um, So that was ahead of guys like Michael Gallup, Marvin Jones, who I talked about before, and Julio Jones. Um, And again, with the, the draft position at 66 overall, we talked or I talked before about how uh, the Packers formations are going to be split using um, big personnel, including two wide receiver sets. If you can get a guy who's got the best look right now, especially if we're talking about Equinemius St. Brown, who was injured all of last year and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who took a big step back last year after a decent rookie season. Uh, he has the clearest path to a wide receiver two on that roster. So um Getting him way down in the draft—it's a dart throw, and he could be a good flex play for you at some point.
3: Yeah, looking looking at these uh, narrow passing trees is always like—it's it's a good way to just try to figure out if somebody's going to get a decent chunk of work. Really similar to uh, to Anthony Miller in in this regard. All right,
0: and I'll wrap up late round sleepers and the podcast with uh, <laughs> the only running back Matt Lafleur has ever seen built. Like this? Did you know that Mountain Lafleur has never seen a running back built like AJ Dillon? And I don't know personally what more you need to know than just that mere fact in order to draft AJ Dillon, who's going as the RB fifty-three, one eighty-one overall. I mean, the man is built like a tank. Uh, obviously, you're relying mostly here. If he, if he's going to have any fantasy relevance this year, it's going to come from being a goal line back. Uh, like that's going to be his primary role, and that's what you're relying on. That being said, like, I do think that he's going to take this RB2 job from Jamal Williams pretty easily. He was drafted in the second round. They clearly have a plan for him or, or thoughts behind why they took him there. And I know they've been preaching the whole offseason that they just want to pound the rock. Well, I'm going to believe him. Let's do it. I'm buying the six foot, 240 pound running back. That uh, is a bowling ball with legs. And they're going to use him because both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are up for contracts at the end of this year. They're going to run AJ Dillon into the ground because he's a rookie. I don't even know. uh, But figure why not it's the last round pick i'll buy this backfield especially as someone as, since this team is sh- matt before hasn't shut up about how much he wants to run the football so i'll buy one of the running backs here i'll talk about aj dylan <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so aj Dillon right now is a project um he's got an insane athletic profile there's a ton of pictures of just Uh, thirst traps basically for his uh, his calf
0: muscles are incredible. I, I worship, I like have them as my background on my desktop. All
1: right. (laughs) Um, but anyway, you mentioned him, uh, sealing up that, uh, number two role behind, uh, Aaron Jones, taking Jamal Williams spot. I, I think that's eventually possible. I don't think that that translates to a whole lot in terms of fantasy value. Um, I talked about the red zone earlier with the Packers and uh, Aaron Jones had, I believe 33 red zone carries last year to Jamal Williams is 12. Um, so not a whole lot of work from Jamal Williams down there, despite being the like bigger back. Um, and I, again, I talked about Devontae Adams getting a lot of red zone work as well. So um, AJ Dillon does have the inside track. I think he's a project and somebody to push the other two, since they're going to be up for uh contract, Possible extensions at the end of the year, but uh, I don't think this is the year for
0: him. I'm just saying, Jamal Williams last year in that backup role, RB 36.
3: I yeah, I think he's going to be just kind of locked in as like the short down or the 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 short yardage goal line back, which just kind of bodes really well. Where are you going, Pete? Uh, It bodes really badly for everybody, and I don't think he's going to fully supplant. Jamal Williams this year because Williams is like the passing, uh, the pass protecting specialist. He gets a ton of snaps. I don't think he's very good. I think Aaron Jones is really, okay. I know. (laughs) I know Clark likes him. Uh, So I don't think he's good. Very good. Uh, Aaron Jones is really good, but Aaron Jones. So this was, I I can't, this like blew my mind um, from the 2020 football preview. Uh, He scored at a rate that was the 11th highest since 1990. And of the 10 backs who bested him all of them uh, scored fewer touchdowns the next year on an average of 10.9 fewer touchdowns. We have to recall shit. Aaron Jones had 19 touches. Like what they did was a, it was a massive outlier season and, and they performed well at the beginning of games, which I believe it was last year, 78% of the time, if a team was ahead at halftime, they were going to end up winning the game. But as the games went on and as they played teams again, they were less effective. So I, He's going to have to change. And it is good that they brought, in. I can't get his name right. The H back that they brought in. It's good that they brought him in because they were really bad rushing out of 12 personnel. Um, I I'm, I'm concerned that one, there's not enough rushing work period to go around. And two, that the, the attempts, especially in scoring position are just going to be so much lower than they were last year, but both Williams and Jones are, their contracts are up at the end of this season. And So, Dylan, they might try to seriously break him in. So, I guess at worst, keep your eye on him. Um, I think it would be tough to roster him for like eight weeks with him. (laughs) You know, get like four carries a game. But good luck to
0: you, Pete. At the very least, he's he's a name to put the little flag on. Clearly, I should have just had Anthony Miller as my late sleeper and been like, I agree with you, Nick. TJ Hawkinson's a league (laughs) winner. Fucked up that. Uh, All right, well, there you go. There's the NFC North breakdown. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whole nine yards. That is how you'll not only get us fantasy football, but also fantasy baseball and our fantasy basketball podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Peter Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you tomorrow to talk the NFC West. Until then, Peace.